0: This episode is proudly sponsored by ShakeBay, Canada's easiest way to buy and earn Bitcoin in 10 minutes or less with no deposit or withdrawal fees. It's so easy, even the boomer can do it. Guys, I've personally been using Shakepay for several years and highly recommend them. Your mobile app makes it super easy to buy and sell Bitcoin. All you have to do is e-transfer directly to your Shakepay account and you're ready to go. So head over to shakepay.com or download the mobile app, use the referral code Hour and get $30 of free Bitcoin when you sign up. ShakePay gives out free Bitcoin to every user every day just by shaking your phone. They call this the shaking sats feature. It's awesome. I highly encourage you to go check it out. ShakePay has also just launched one of Canada's only Bitcoin cashback prepaid credit cards, which gives users up to 2% Bitcoin cashback on every transaction. If you want to opt out, Canadian dollars and start earning rewards through Bitcoin, go check out ShakePay Once again, guys, that's ShakeBay.com. Before we get started, I just want to remind everyone that this information discussed today is not intended to be or construed as investment advice. Please consult a professional advisor before putting a loony in any of these financial markets. The
1: dirty secret is that no one's ever going to get paid back. People have the shortest memories when it comes to
0: investment. we just going to get Keith into Bitcoin. Hey, there's a bubble. Welcome back to the Looney on episode 45. As always, joined by the three amigos. We got Keith Dicker of Icecap Asset Management wearing his red hot chili peppers shirt. And uh, we got Rich Diaz, the Tom Brady of Macro, of Acorn Macro Consulting, pounding drinks for this week's episode. Uh, welcome back to the show, gentlemen. Um, what's, what's going on? What's, what's the latest in Montreal?
1: Rich? Well, I'm wearing my Thomas Solwell shirt. He, he's a, an economist from the Chicago, University of Chicago. I recommend everybody look up look him up. He's got great YouTube videos.
0: You know you run and, a macro podcast
1: when, eh? <laughs> yeah, when you wear <laughs> t-shirts of your favorite economists. Um, yeah, he's brilliant. He's, I've read a couple of his books. Um, he's definitely someone who challenges the views of what we might be force-fed. <laughs> so, and, like the uh, I Island recommend Island. him. Yeah, no, I think I think you would approve of Looney Hour. I think he'd approve of He's still alive. He's old. Get him but he's on. Still alive. I, I'm not sure I can do that. I'm not that Keith, kind of pull. Keith probably knows <laughs> it.
0: Keith Keith probably went to the same high school as him. Hey, Keith.
2: Yeah. Well, we did. Well, you know what? Like we did hang out at Woodstock together for a few hours. That was fun.
0: Apparently, that's a big movie on Netflix. I haven't seen it yet, but Rich, have you?
1: I know Keith no, hasn't. Not interested in that. Okay, well there you Sorry. go.
2: Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, what, what's what's this Netflix? Thing? <laughs> it's this, this
1: thing that you gotta stream and it's, pay for a subscription. It's internet on computers. Anyways, let's talk about the markets.
2: Wait, yeah. wait, I got one
1: thing. I need to I need to apologize to Rich for something. Uh oh.
2: So last week you made a comment, and I sort of came back, and I said, "Well, that's not quite right," because you talked about the, uh, the the bike paths in in Halifax is. You know, just for the wealthy, stuff like that. They weren't used. Well, I was out on the bike path a couple of days ago. And you're right. I was, I was probably the only one on it. But I was going
0: down He's the bike driving path. his Range Rover down the bike path.
2: Yeah. And uh, I see something right in the middle. So I stop. I pick it up. This is what it is.
0: Pataguchi. <laughs> That's hilarious.
2: So, so for those that are listening to this, uh, it's a Patagonia hat. So we talk about Patagucci all the time. So I found like an $85 Patagonia hat on the Halifax bike path. And
0: it was probably lying
2: there for days. I'm the that's a really nice see. hat. Hey, thanks, man.
0: My wife just got me a new Patagucci sweater. Fun story. It, the color that I wanted has been out of stock for 12 months. It's finally back. So the supply chains are, are easing. That's That's the good news.
1: Well, as um, far as riveting podcast stories go, I have one more and then we'll, we'll carry on, which is I was a baseball game in Toronto over the weekend and the hot dog vendor, Dino, recognized me and he said, hey, you're the loony guy. And I said, <laughs> yeah, I, I am the loony guy. He's like, I'm like, nice to meet you. My name's Richard. He's like, I know who you are. So, Dino, if you're listening, thank you very much for your support and your encouragement and your hot dogs are fantastic. So there you go.
0: Do you know the hot dog guys get end up on the bingo chart? Yeah, um, <laughs> no, yeah. It. that's I love it. outstanding. Now that, that reminds me, uh, as always, guys, we do appreciate your support. All we ask is that you continue to share this podcast with at least one friend or family member and help us get past, help us push past, arrive Canada. Um, I was doing some more research on that, and it turns out that they actually had more reviews than um, t- Twitter and Facebook. So. Combined or just alone? Uh, not combined, but like they dwarfed like Twitter's reviews, Yikes. Uh, okay. which kind of concerns me anyways. Uh, let's get into it. Let's get into it. As always, let's open this thing up. You know, a lot of a lot of Canadian content this week, a lot of data points coming out. Uh, well, of course, we'll always go around the world here. But I think we start things off here with uh, a lot of the Canadian housing data as we've been tracking that. So we had the national housing statistics coming out for the month of July. Uh, national home sales fell 5.3% on a month over month basis, but actual, so the one that you kind of should probably look at is actual activity. So when you're comparing July sales versus last year, down 29% from last year. Um, and more importantly, what everyone's kind of focused on is, is of course, home prices. So the MLS home price index, which we've talked about before, it's kind of a smoothed out lagging index. It declined 1.7% month over month. So, you know, if you start annualizing that, you know, that's a pretty steep decline. And in fact, we're actually now down. So per the index, prices nationally peaked in March, and we're now down 9% uh, from the peak. And so if you actually go back, um, the, the home price index was actually created and it was launched in 2005. And so of all the d- data series that we have going back to 2005, this is actually the steepest um, price decline. That's the, the largest sell-off that we've seen, 9%. It actually matches It matches exactly the 2008, 2009 price decline. So uh, as of right now, we are officially in sort of great financial crisis territory in terms of the, the sell-off of this housing market. Um, and just one more sort of quick stat to hit you with. Um, Like I said, there's many ways to kind of look at this. So that's the home price index. But if you look at the decline in seasonally adjusted average house prices um, from peak five months ago, uh, this is the largest decline since the 1980s. So whether you're using the home price index, which goes back to 2005, or you use the average sales price, which goes back to the 1980s, um, this, um, again, we're only five months into this correction. Uh, This has basically been the steepest correction uh, since the 80s. So... So do you started. think it keeps going? I, I think it's still early. I think the big thing, like again, we'll obviously get into it and in into the show, but housing markets are very inefficient. Uh, a lot of emotional sellers you're dealing with particularly based, it's all retail, right? It's all residential. You're not dealing with Wall Street here. Um, and so these these price declines tend to be a little bit choppy. But I think the big thing is like so long as rates stay basically where they're at, which is five-year fixed rates basically haven't moved. They're basically, they're stuck at 5%. And more so moving forward on September the 7th, the Bank of Canada, which we'll get into, is is going to raise rates. We've talked about it last week. I think it's 50 basis points. Your variable rate mortgage is going to go up again, which means your stress test is going to go up again. So I just, I'm having a hard time seeing any positive outcome or any change in the direction of home prices for at least the rest of this year. That's my view.
1: Um, Ask One more question. My sister was, my sister's on a variable rate mortgage. She's got the sweet condo downtown and she's worried about the reset. Can you, Oh, tell us about that. Can you just, sorry, I know yeah. sorry, it's a very very selfish, self-serving question, but
0: no, it's a really good question because everybody's asking that it, it has, it is being made into a larger story than that should be. It should be. I mean, I was just chatting with, uh, you know, Rob McClister, who's like, I mean, I'd say he's Canada's like number one sort of go-to expert on like mortgages and, and, and whatnot. So, um, he think doesn't think it's a big deal today um you know people have slight some people will get reset a little bit they'll get triggered they have to increase their payments a couple hundred bucks a month potentially um the the biggest question is more so if rates actually stay here i don't think they probably will but if rates kind of stay at these levels it's more a question of like when these people go to renew in two three four five years from now and there's very little principal that's been paid off that's where you're going to start to run into these challenges um
1: so that's kind of but I can tell on. my sister that she's going to have to pay a couple hundred bucks more, basically, if she gets reset.
0: I would just like plan for that. But like there's, there's different programs. Every bank's going to be a little bit different. We, we mentioned on the show before, but like RBC, for example, is only asking that they're going to increase your principal payment by $2 basically because okay. that makes, that makes them compliant with the banking regulator um, okay. that there is principal being paid off it is, but I think if you're a prudent Borrower, you should probably just arbitrarily increase your payments, go to your bank and say, Hey, I want to increase my monthly mortgage by 200 bucks. Okay. Because um, what happens is the, the amortization base becomes like what started as a 30 year amortization for some people is now looking at a 40 or 45 or 50 year amortization because there's very little principal being paid down.
2: I have, I have a question for you guys uh, with, with the housing market. Um, you know, the, the euphoria, I call it the euphoria because that's what it was in my mind. Oh. Yeah you know, last year, especially in the first half of this year. Um, Was it mostly people just buying a home or were people actually doing in in buying multiple properties and as investments? Because the risk here is that all of a sudden they are getting underwater and then they have to start trying to, you know, deleverage in a falling market. Whereas people who bought it as a home, you know, they're, you know, they're going to work it out, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I would say predominantly end user, Um, like basically what it was like, if you think about like the pandemic, right. It was, oh my gosh, you know, the job that I used to have to go to the office for five days a week has changed. Now it's hybrid and I'm locked in my house. Like everybody just wanted like a change. They needed like a change of scenery, you know, whether it was going renting Airbnbs on like these cool little islands or, or what have you, like people wanted to move. They wanted more space. They wanted a backyard. So that's why like the suburbs obviously I mean, suburbs went absolutely nuts. The price valuations were utterly insane. And it's like, even if rates stayed at 2%, the suburbs were coming down regardless. Um, this has just exacerbated the pace of the decline, but I would say it's predominantly end users. But now don't get me wrong, people that have made a lot of equity in their housing over the last two, three years have definitely taken a portion of those gains and doubled down in the property market through an investment property. So I do think there's going to be a little bit of pain there. I do think that the investors tend to be more on variable mortgages. Um, so they're going to be impacted by some of that. Um, with that being said, the one silver lining, if you're an investor, is the rental market is completely bananas. Uh, Rich, you actually had a chart on on the CPI inflation.
1: Yeah, well, we'll I think we're going to touch on the inflation print a little later, but I just have a, um, before we get to that, if it's okay, I just have a, a cynical view or a cynical answer to Keith's question. So Keith, will be proud of me for being so cynical. I think it's, um, you know, to answer Keith's question, I think it's, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. You just can't get fooled again. Anyways, um, you know, the, 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 the issue, I think what in 2008, when they decreased Interest rates, they printed all this money. I think people, a lot of people, you know, mom and pops were caught off guard and they didn't appreciate and and take advantage of the asset price appreciation, the asset inflation. And I think over the COVID thing, I think a lot of people did not get fooled again, you know, to quote George Bush. You know, I think a lot of people saw the writing on the wall when the interest rates got smoked. And the QE came and the Bank of Canada bought 87% of bond issuance. And I think a lot of people, as soon as that started to happen, they knew exactly where to go and what to do. And so I credit the people who actually took advantage of the absolutely terrible uh, central bank decision making. And 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 bought in and pushed and pushed that trade and took advantage of that trade. I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't smart enough. But I I I think that it's a balance. You know, I think it's it's what Steve sort of outlined, which is people who were interested in obviously making having a bigger home and that space, et cetera. Et cetera. But I also think that there's a lot of people out there who who saw the writing on the wall, who saw who who were lived through the 2008 you know decline in interest rates and bubble in housing and then we're like oh I've seen this movie before let's take advantage and so I wonder what the split is but you know it, it it's it's not 90-10 you know I, I think that there's a oh uh, yeah no I, I will say that I, I and I, I said this
0: when you know they started cute their QE program and
1: and, and all yeah, that you were was... right on it you were right on it
0: yeah I, I, but I just said like the, the, these guys have created this 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 moral um hazard. moral hazard uh thank you uh, that Canadians have had basically a twenty five plus year bull market in housing, and that like every time there's been like a little wiggle that the policymakers have come in and they've propped it up and so they like even in Canada, right? In 2008, 2009, it was like, like we talked about earlier, nine, but roughly nine, 10, 12% decline in house prices. Big deal. We didn't have a US style housing collapse because there was a whole lot of shenanigans behind the closed doors, which many Canadians aren't aware of. And then we got again to the pandemic was like, hey, don't worry about it. You can defer your mortgage. We'll buy, you know, all these. Government bonds to suppress interest rates will
1: be low for a long time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so they basically did everything. So it was there is like this belief there or there there was anyways. There's belief that didn't matter what that uh, housing was so systemically important that policymakers would automatically come prop it up. And I think now we're starting to see. I think policymakers know it's gone so far. That They have to, they got to let at least some air out of the bubble here. And uh, now we're going to get an answer here in the next, I think, six to 12 months of how far these guys are willing to let it go. I think that's going to be really interesting because there's, I think there are investors that are certainly caught off guard of like, you can lever up to the nines and there are no repercussions because JT's got my back. So we'll, we'll see, but I mean, part of this is going to hinder on and hinge on inflation. So, I mean, Rich, we had some CPI data from the BOC or stats can, um, I don't know if you want to break that down for everybody here.
1: Yeah, let's do it. So if you follow me on Twitter, you know, I, I try unless I'm on vacation or I'm having a life crisis. I try to like show the charts that I think are the most interesting headline stopped rising. So we were a couple of months off, but we're getting closer This is not because the Central Bank of Canada is amazing or smart or wonderful. It's because of math. It's very, very hard to continue to rise at this level unless you're Turkey or Nigeria or, you know, other countries like that that have completely um, lost the plot. But um, so, you know, we've got core inflation. Um, There's two types of core. So there's all items, ex-food and energy. There's core, less volatile components and effective indirect taxes. I, I don't really understand what that means, but they're sort of in the five and the six range. Something I look at a lot is services. So I'm sure if you guys have listened to me before, you know that services inflation is stickier. Uh, goods inflation is more linked to commodity prices and um, FX, stuff like that. Services inflation is stickier generally and that continued to rise 5.6%. Obviously, the components are really important. There are nine components in the CPI basket that they track. I mean, there's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of items, of course, in the CPI basket, but the main nine components, the things that I really stood out for me were food continues to rise, energy fell, shelter, which you pointed out, Steve, the other day fell, which is important. But again, you know, there's different parts of the shelter. There's, you know, owner, occupier stuff. There's rental accommodation. There's household operations. Go ahead, sorry.
0: The the rental accommodation. uh, Yeah, so that kept, yeah. yeah, That, which is good. I mean, that should be capturing that because the rental market is utterly insane. I mean, there's just so many anecdotal stories that I've got, but yeah, rents are going up. So, but the recent, because the resale prices or whatever, Rich, so shelter is funny that shelter is actually... Yeah, in effect declining now but
1: yeah so remember shelter is 39 of the core cpi basket not exactly sure what it is of the total basket but for the core cpi basket shelter in canada is 39 that's starting to to roll over a bit so that's really important obviously 39 is a huge chunk clearly um so that's important but the rental component i mean remember you know canada has has the highest immigration levels in 35 years, like it or love it, hate it or don't. I mean, th- that matters when you're moving to Canada, you're renting accommodation and, and that's important. My favorite chart, of course, is the three preferred measures of core inflation, which the Central Bank of Canada in their infinite wisdom designed and paid for and, and publishes every single month and then subsequently ignored. And two of the three continued to rise. So we're at five, five and 5.4 and then 5.5. And so, that, I mean, that's just crazy. And then the thing that I like to look at, of course, is the producer prices, X energy. And to me, that was the key thing here because you have core inflation starting to roll over. So we've discussed this a couple of months ago. We weren't exactly right. You know, when you asked me, I think you said, Rich, when do you think it's going to start to roll over? I said you know, I gave you a, I said, June, I was wrong. You know, these, these charts are never perfect. I mean, who knows what will happen going forward, but I think we're starting to reach sort of the upper limit of these core inflation numbers because producer prices, core producer producer prices are falling. And so, um, and so, uh, expect the Bank of Canada to start taking credit for <laughs> lower inflation very soon. I,
0: yeah, I have got a question, and I'm sure we'll get into this. I'm sure Keith is going to chime in here as well, but because um, a lot of like the pushback, it's funny because I, I think people are like, people are like a dog on a bone with this like inflation trade and narrative. I almost think it kind of definitely factors in with like your political views and whatnot. Let's be honest. Um, of course that there's like, oh, well, this inflation is only going down because energy prices and, and oil is coming down. And this is just a temporary thing. Wait till the winter comes around and Europe's freezing in the cold and energy prices are going to rip through the roof and, and all hell is going to break loose.
1: How are you interpreting this? I mean, I mean, yes, in truth, it is. I mean, Canada is a, one of the largest producers of oil in the world. We don't refine anywhere near enough oil. And so uh, our terms of trade is at the mercy of the oil price, more so than it should be, let's say. But energy component, which is one of the nine, which I referenced earlier, has come off. It's still 28% year on year, by the way, but it's come off from 40%. So yeah, you're going to start to getting a slowing of that price. And, you know, the, the, the problem with a lot of these narratives is it's just never one thing. It, it's stupid to say that it's Russia's fault. And it's stupid to say that it's, you know, just the government's spending or just the central bank liquidity. It's, it's usually a function of all of the, the above, which is boring. You know, you don't get Twitter follows for being nuanced. Um, I think that that's, that's the point. I think, you know, you're having a slowing in energy prices. You're having a slowing in transportation. What matters to me is food because food is a larger portion of working class people's budget. What matters also to me is shelter and that's starting to slow, but I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a boring answer, but I think it's the truth. It's, it's, it's a little bit of all these, it's, you know, a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B and, and, you know, that's, unfortunately that's my view. Keith, what's
2: your takeaway from all this? I forget the question by now. What, what do you... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Good old Keith. Eh? Um, so, I, you know, one thing I love about, about Richard, you're, you're very bottom up, you have all the data. And, um, you know, for, for us, we're very top down. And you, you always need a combination of marriage of both of them because it, it keeps each one in check. So um, like to give you an idea of the way, we look at things right now. We're looking at, you know, the economy on one hand. Then you're looking at inflation data on the other hand. And then you're looking at what you know central banks are saying on if they have another hand. You have three hands, maybe. Um, but what we're what we're seeing is that the inflation data—it's like some places is still increasing. Like the European data came out this morning, yep. and month over month is, is still going uh, up. And uh, UK hit you know, ten percent. Uh,
1: I think there were eight something. Sorry, Wasn't it where? ten, Rich? UK? Oh, I—I I, I, sorry, I, I don't know. We'll have okay, to look we'll, at, but we'll anyway, so it doesn't that. matter. It's high. It's high. That, that doesn't yeah. Matter. So inflation is
2: still high everywhere. That, that's the point. Um, you know, of course you guys, I know my view by now, I think we are headed into uh, a period where economies around the world, they, they do have a high probability of giving a pretty big unexpected thump. And that doesn't mean it's a 100% probability, but it's a lot higher today than it was a month ago and then two and three months ago, you know, before that, but um, again, just to reset here, inflation data is still high, but we can always make the case that it, it's not as, it's not increasing as fast as it was before. Right. So therefore everyone's getting a bit, you know, dovish. And what we mean by that is maybe the central banks won't raise rates as much as before. And uh, so that's happening with the Canadians, you know, uh, the Americans of course, and, and so forth. And um, and then I mentioned on the economic side, you know, data, it is looking like so specifically, uh, like if you look at different regional ISM data points in in the US, so showing regional manufacturing activity. And um, Rich has always provided some great data on this, you know, you can break it down to services and and as well as manufacturing and prices paid and all that stuff but it's clearly showing you know something is happening underfoot and that's creating this key moment right now in markets and we haven't had a key moment now for a while but what that moment is everyone's talking about this this pivot and what the pivot is will the central banks stop raising rates or not raise rates as strong as they were before or even start cutting rates and everyone's talking about it. And every day the markets are sort of, you know, teetering back and forth on what's gonna happen. But what has happened over the last few days and in the week, even though inflation is not as, it's not growing as strong as it was before and economic day is getting softer, I'm seeing and, and hearing that the central bankers are saying, you know what, we're still going to raise rates. So of right. course it brings us to the bank of Canada story. Maybe Steve can, can jump into that. So when we look at all this, and I think we mentioned it a lot the last week's episode where, you know, we're, we're getting this, this big gap between what the market is now expecting for year end central bank rates towards what the central bankers are telling us they're going to do. And, um, uh, So coming up now in a a couple of weeks, like we're almost there. So on September the 7th, we have the Canadians coming out. On the 8th, it's the Europeans. Uh, The Fed is September 21st. So we're going to get a a lot of fireworks in markets as we get closer to those dates coming up. So that's what we're looking at here. So like right now, we're in this, you know, sort of sleepy August period where all the data has come out. But, um, you know, we're all sort of getting ready for, you know, some red hot chili pepper type action.
1: <laughs> Sleepy August. Overs- can, I, can, I, can I add a couple, just a couple of things? There's just two points. One is I think, it's so I, I agree with um, Keith. There's two things that I think people need to understand. Number one is CPI is always backward looking. And I think it's important that when we reference these numbers, seven, eight, whatever the numbers are, you can believe them, you can hate them, whatever you want. We have to like, you You know, whether you have a model to do so or whether you just sort of infer you sort of it's not it's not so much important what's going on today. It's what you think might happen over the next three to six months. So that's the first thing on the CPI. And that that's you know, that's what I maybe we don't stress that enough. We always just say the exact number. The other thing is that Keith just like threw in this word regional fed. And for some people who may not know, is that the US Federal Reserve, we always talk about the Fed, the Fed, the Fed. There's no such thing as really the Fed. It's really actually 12 branches um, of the Fed. And so, you know, there's, I'll just, there's 12. I can't, I can't remember all of them. There's San Francisco, Kansas, New York, Dallas, uh, Richmond, uh, Minnesota. Oh, I screwed up. Texas, Dallas. Okay. Anyways, whatever. So there's 12 branches and, and the Fed,
2: Dillon, Texas is pretty big. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Uh, there's one in Memphis, I think anyways, whatever, there's 12 of them. And what they do is they all act as regulators. They lend their lenders last resorts. They provide liquidity. They issue notes like literally bank notes. They are payment clearers. So if, if you're a company X and you're buying from company Y and you're literally giving them $12 million, you, you know, you might go to, you know, Chase or Citigroup or whatever, but at the end of the day, those payments are cleared through the Federal Reserve. Anyway, so and what Keith was referencing is each of those regional federal, each of those regional branches will have indicators. And a lot of those indicators are rolling over like crazy. So the ones that I noticed were New York, Dallas, and Philly that have rolled over like like wildly, very negative. And some people amalgamate those and then say, you know, th- you know, the US is the ISM is going to follow suit. Who knows? But anyways, just so that just to give some kind of light as to when Keith says regional fed, that's sort of what he means. Sorry. I thought that was an important sort of. Yeah. I,
2: you know what? People may not realize as well. Like a long time ago, when I was a little boy back. You know, pre great depression <laughs> before <ago>. the internet <laughs> yeah well on before the internet uh but the reason there were federal reserve banks is because you know money capital wasn't flowing electronically and things like that around around the country so that's why you had you know the, the the west was growing at a different rate than what the east was and the south was and the midwest and all that so that's why you had these different federal reserve banks basically think of it in in that aspect and they all had different rates they had different interest rates and uh, you might think you know uh, do you guys remember the show seinfeld years ago mm-hmm. so remember when um, kramer was kramer and uh what was his buddy's name newman guy newman you know they were going to try to collect the empties and try to put them in a truck and go up to one of the other states to get a higher refund on it than they could you know but but there was an arbitrage and that arbitrage didn't exist back then with the fed because you couldn't you know, put your uh, horse and buggy full with cash and try to hightail it from San Francisco to Chicago. Cause you, know, you weren't going to make it, you know, you gonna... die of dysentery. <laughs> yeah. You get, you get like a, a bullet or an arrow in, in the head on the way. Um, but all that changed over time. Another thing people may not realize as well, one of the main differences between America and Canada is, in, in Canada, a lot of the power is held at the at, at the federal government level at, at Ottawa. But the United States is, is different. It really is a union of 50 states. And the states have a lot more power than the federal government in a lot of spaces. That's sort of a bit of the, um, you know, very exciting Federal Reserve story. Maybe we can go back. Now and talk about the diffusion index
1: from. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh man, I'm going to that. By the way, lots of people ask in the comments about books we should read. Check out Lords of Finance. That's I have that. Book. I haven't read it. I I got it's it. Very my boring, but it's like five hundred pages and very long. It's very boring and very long, but it'll tell you a lot about the Great Depression. You'll it'll explain the central banks. It'll explain France, England. Um, it's a really cool book. If
0: you're a, a nerd. <laughs> Maybe I should read that on my trip. <laughs> um, guys, I'm other, falling asleep.
2: <laughs> the other interesting thing that's that's really happening now is um, as again, you know our view. We, we we think the world is is really starting to uh, struggle economically from the outside coming in. But what I mean by that is the emerging market countries first and it's creeping into, you know, the Western world and in America will be the last one. I, I don't think the Americans will experience as a sharp of a slowdown as what everyone else is doing. If they do, boy, it's, it's going to be a real struggle for everyone. But uh, like over the last couple of days, the Chinese, they cut rates domestically. And, it, and really people say... Yeah, well, they've done a lot of things, right? They had to expand or increase their uh, sorry, decrease their uh, the commercial bank reserve requirements. So that's adding liquidity to the system. Now they just cut rates. So like th- the Chinese are really struggling with this local housing, real estate developer, banking crisis because that's what it's turning into. Uh, so we have that happening. And then this morning we had Turkey and um, you know, as God is my witness, uh, Turkey is not flying right now. Uh, oh, I think groan. they're, I, think they're uh, <laughs> I don't like, I love my favorite TV show. Oh, I like, I like yeah. Um, I really identify with, with less for, for some reason. Um, the, Steve is, the, Steve the, Steve the turkey. Steve is like, what the hell back. are you talking about?
0: <laughs> the Turkey story is back on the table. It's
2: coming back, but you know they have inflation running at eighty percent plus on an annualized basis, and this morning out of the blue they cut rates, and so Turkey is really struggling. You know, like the Chinese, they don't have U.S. dollars coming in or as much as they had before. Um, I think Turkey just made a didn't they just make a deal with with the Russians for oil? Did we get paid in? paid in rubles or something like that
1: probably uh, turkey has no oil so they they need it
2: yeah the, absolutely they need it uh, and they can unless get they invade access, unless they, they invade got, the greek islands and they, they got Africa's wind turbines
0: from...
2: <laughs> <laughs> every morning i get a like i'm in a dm group with with one of my greek friends and steve you know you you, you michael spoke with him there yeah. Yeah, yeah and uh you should see him getting fired up this morning with with turkey and by the way, he always always sends me a photo of his Greek island that he's on, you know, for the week and stuff like that. But um, Keith,
1: there's, it's, there's more than just the housing in China. If you, I, I was looking at industrial production for semiconductors and integrated circuits. There's also a, imports and manufacturing and machinery equipment, excuse me. And both of those are negative t- 14 and 20 percent respectively. What about so, the uh, collapse in China's producer prices as well? there's something going wrong in China. I don't quite have a, a, a feel for it. I don't have a beat on it quite yet. You know, we've talked a lot about the real estate market. That's well understood. There's something going wrong there, but there's it's, it's more than just that. I mean, if you look at industrial production, like I just mentioned a second ago, you know, semiconductors, uh, machinery, equipment, imports, uh, uh, there's something going on and it's th- not good. They're
2: in trouble because again, this is a Canadian show. And um, but the reason we talk about this is because if if this really escalates in in China, for example, it's absolutely going to affect us here in Canada. We we have to realize that it, it will happen. But like one of the other main things with with China is what hap- is what's happening with the currencies in Korea and Japan. So you know they, the the natural the natural relief valve for everyone is your currency. You know that's where you can let stress or risk get reflected. Uh, but the Chinese, they don't allow that because they have a closed capital account uh, and your currency is pegged. And same thing in, in Hong Kong. Like they're really struggling. And so right now they're losing market share in the region. And if they, you know, if they try to, if they float their currency, it would, it would drop like a stone. Uh, if they try to weaken it aggressively, they try to take market share back against the Japanese and the Koreans, then you know that's going to take off the local guys. That's when cause even more capital to leave. So they're in a real tough spot here. And the reason it's a tough spot is because of the banking system. It's just so levered in it. It's it's, it's really stuck with bad debt in the system. And that's why Europe is, is this economic fantasy land. And you know I joke about that all the time. Uh, but it's not a joke; it's it's fact. You know, it's reality meets fantasy. It's the same thing. But the main challenge with the Europeans is that you know they weren't able to write off all this bad debt in in their banking system, and uh, that that's legacy from the 0809 9 crisis. Whereas the Americans did, you know, they did that. But uh, you know, we're so now we have you know the, the European banking system is is deadish. You know, the Japanese have their problems with their yield curve and and debt and. China is going down that road as well, so the opportunity set here is that you know if it does increase, uh, you know the U.S. dollar will, will go really strong. Canadian dollar will come off. I do suspect Canadian dollar would be uh, really strong on an across basis. So anyone yeah. going to Europe, you know, I think they'll do okay with that. Um, and then you know the, the Japanese and Chinese against CAD is is not going to look very
1: good. But so that's something I think we should differentiate because sometimes we say like the Canadian dollar is going to weaken and it has versus the US dollar. But it's at a what was it
0: 25 eight,
1: 8 year or 9 year high? 8 what year high against eight, the eight, excuse me against the eight euro. Year high, 8 year high versus the euro. Um the Canadian dollar is doing really really well except against the US dollar, you know? So it's just important and sometimes we I think we uh, we sort of gloss over that.
0: Your euro trips in now before the Canadian dollar. <laughs> There's your travel advice, everybody. <laughs> before up before housing takes it down. That's right. Um, another another little point. I don't know if anyone follows this guy on Twitter, Craig Fuller. So he's the, the founder and CEO of Freight Waves, uh, basically like American shipping and transportation. Okay, um, Cool. So c- he says container rates. Remember when like everyone oh, was like, yeah. talking about? container prices, shipping from overseas. And obviously like that ultimately gets passed through on you know, the consumer inflation. Uh, so container rates from China to the U S West coast, uh, he says should be down. He he believes that right now they should fall to about $3,900 by November. That'll be off more than 80% uh, from peak. They hit They peaked at about $20,000 uh, and he's got them going to 39. They're currently at, uh, about 5,800 bucks right now. So I don't know. I think there's uh something smells like disinflation to me.
1: And well, uh, wait a second. Wait a second. I mean, I'm not fully disagreeing with you, but it's also like, we understand how to ship things across the ocean, right? Like the, the, yeah. the it, it, it's partly a disinflation impulse, which I, I respect. And I can appreciate that argument. It's also partly things getting back. To normal if well, yeah, sense, yeah. right? well exactly and i still think like you i mean you guys tell me
0: i mean my my sort of thought process is like to me it just it doesn't feel like it's a demand pull inflation it doesn't feel like demand is so red ripping hot that that's the reason for like okay so uk inflation by the way was 10.1 percent
1: yeah that's right so right. is
0: UK inflation really like oh my god there's just so many so many people and everybody's just got this massive demand that that's like or is it more like an energy story slash we're fixing these supply chains that have been obliterated uh over the past several years like we're we closed the global economy for months can I a, play this game I have, can I play I have a view on this go
1: go Keith you, <laughs> nah. you you go Keith I have a view on this go
2: I mean, it, it's a bit of both. I mean, yeah. Again, like for, never one for the thing. rest of
1: our lives. We're always going to look
2: back and realize,
1: uh, for stupid better or worse, or right were or wrong.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Locking down the global economy—it it turns out it's not a, a good idea. And uh, you know, people, oh, I mean, that's not true, and all that stuff. However, we may never get. The global economy and global supply chains back online again like globalization it's now dead you know nationalism is, is coming back and so it, it's really hard to get stuff pushed through and so one part you know one part to answer your question yeah you know supplies are, are tough i think i read an article yesterday they're saying that if if the chinese do blockade tai block uh, blockade taiwan i forget how for how long it would have been but it was going to for example if you want to get a, a new apple computer for example, like you're now looking at like months and years to get this thing put together. So the, you know, shutting down the global supply chains. Yeah, absolutely. But then it's had this sort of like boomerang effect. You know, people are sitting at home, they are getting paid to work or not work. And of course, which increased, you know, services and everything. So I, I think, you know, because of the way numbers are calculated, you know, the maths are going to show us as we get into 23, 2023, you know, some of these year-over-year numbers are going to start to average out again, and inflation will seem not as challenging as before, Right, but it's still going to be up at this crazy level from what it was back in yeah, 2019. And it's, but
0: it's, it, yeah, exactly, but it's not like flipping back, like Rich, you can see it now, right, like in the service, now that the economy is like basically reopened, and everyone's like, oh my god, I'm going to go traveling again, like service sector inflation is obviously ripping up, and then consumer goods prices, you know, for a lot of the crap that you're buying during the pandemic, like look at all the overstock that Walmart and target and everybody are sitting on, they're having to reduce their prices because people aren't sitting in their houses ordering crap on Amazon anymore. Um, That it's now the inflation is, is that's getting repaired. They're now like overstocked and, and the pent up demand is, is basically going back into, you know, people going out and, and, you know, living their lives and that's pushing service. So like, it's, to me, it's just like the whole world got completely obliterated over the last three years. And we're like modeling through this now, trying to fix everything.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, I, again, the right answer is probably the boring nuanced answer, which is it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B to quote Abraham Simpson. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's at first it was definitely demand pull. You know, you give everybody shitloads of money. They all stay home. They all order crap off Amazon. And then that goes away and everybody goes outside. And instead of buying goods, they're buying services. So one of the things that I, you know, we got the retail sales number that came out today. I think it was okay for the US. But I think we should sort of ignore that. I think what we should be spending a lot of time thinking about is forget what you're buying as far as goods. You know, now it's all about, in my view, services. So how do we look at that? We look at producer Right, personal consumption expenditure in the U.S. They split it into two: services and goods, and then you you break it out. In Canada, they do the same. In the U.K. do the same. In China, do the same, and you can see that services expenditures continues to rise in real terms, and and goods expenditures is muddling along, and it makes sense. You know, when you were stuck at home, you bought, I don't know pineapples and playstations and you know party hats or whatever i was trying to think I was trying to alliterate i was a pineapple <laughs> <laughs> well 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 so <laughs> during the pandemic <laughs> i didn't buy any pineapples no, I was a point you there know, now you're, you now you're to doing do services for traveling or now you're doing traveling and stuff like you're buying services and stuff and so i think it's you know i think the, the mistake that i think a lot of people make whether it's mainstream media or you know strategists on twitter it's like it's oh it, it has to boil down to one thing and that's it's, it's bogus it's not linear it's never just one thing it's important that we have these discussions to like figure out sort of what's you know pulling and pushing in different directions so i just bought two things on on the amazon (laughs) i love gadgets i love i love cooking
2: and and food and stuff Um, and every year i buy like new football stuff to put in the room for for game day Uh, mrs icap doesn't know what's showing up soon which she will when it (laughs) arrives but I, I just recently, uh, this has nothing to do with this discussion, by the way, it's just to do with life improvement. It, it's about these, uh, the, the taco holders, you know, like, it's like a uh, vertical like a V. W. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, if you're into making tacos, like we, you know, we, we love making tacos and, uh, but just prepping them on these taco plates, I don't know what you want to call it. It's a, it changes your life. It's, it's so much more fun. It's not this like messy thing that flops around your plate so that's that's a good thing to get and then the other thing which i have coming is the uh i've just recently discovered the oklahoma onion burger and um i'm getting real good at making and eating them so i had to get one of these uh smash burger like the big steel metal plate that you just you know smash it down with but you get that on amazon cheap that's nothing to do with inflation but it's it's Making my life After,
0: after this uh, hard sell, there's going to be taco plate inflation coming through. I know. <laughs> and everyone and, uh, listening to this podcast me, is now dumber
1: for having heard that. Thank yeah. you very
0: much. <laughs> but when, I when, didn't have to the, leave my
2: house. So I get to stay home all the time.
0: That, that reminds me. When's the uh, when's the loony hour barbecue? Everybody's going over to Keith's house. Or I don't know, Keith's but
2: I will uh, very <laughs> soon. Lo- yeah, I'll let everyone know. But soon, though, we'll do like a, a, a local ice cap uh, drinks at one of the beer gardens here coming up so
0: next live think- loony hour is uh at key's house drinks will be uh provided by mrs ice cap and uh and she will not be pleased <laughs> there's no I limit we'll on people like two people two people might show up we don't i don't think we have a big big village we did here. we did briefly post it on twitter by the way uh, it's going a bit off topic but um planning our next live loony hour event in Toronto for uh, what December 1st, I think we had it. So if there's any interest there, we'd love to sort of gauge the, the intent or willingness to, to meet up with us in Toronto, December 1st uh, is kind of the preliminary date. Um, So if you are interested, obviously comment on the YouTube channel, send us an email, whatever, we'd love to sort of just gauge the numbers. Obviously last one was a, a great success in Vancouver, but None of us are in Toronto, so it's a little bit of, you know, fresh air or, or a you know, change of scenery. But, um, yeah, I would love to kind of get some feedback on that as well.
1: I'll are you go, wrapping I'm up the come. show? Because I have one more thing to say. No, no, we got another. Jeez, man. This... <laughs> okay, good. Because Germany is considering keeping their, their nuclear power plants open. So I'd just like to say... F yeah, you know. They've been, the, to the yeah, they've been listening to the Looney Hour. they've been listening to the Looney Hour. So, I mean, it's a long way is away, yeah? So let's not get excited. They still have to vote in parliament and they still need to get Olaf to sign off on it. But there's some grumblings, some rumblings that the, the Germans are going to turn back their nukes. The the UK has a green lit, or I mean, it's, again, these things take lots of time to figure out, so let's not get it too excited. But they greenlit, I think, like eight more nuclear power plants. The, the Japanese have turned it around on that. So uh you know, there you go. We're finally we're making some progress as far as doing some sustainable, renewable, and you know, clean energy. So I'm pretty happy about that one. (laughs) I feel like that's like the one
0: like takeaway for me though, is that like I think all of all three of us on this show are very like cynical. I think we're definitely on the pessimistic side. We're very skeptical of policymakers. But I think like society in general, like we tend to figure it out
1: eventually over time.
0: Eventually we figure it out and eventually we progress and eventually we move forward. So it's never really as bad as like, it's always as, as the outlook may always look, I I find that we always find a way, but um, you know, after we do
1: all the other options, (laughs) eventually we get to the right answer. Yeah,
0: exactly. And so our, our goal obviously on the pod here is to, to identify the, the path of least resistance, but uh, policymakers don't always tune in. So, and so rich with with Germany,
2: what's the uh, like the runway for this? Is it so they want to keep the 10 years, years to get it going? No, or not what? even
1: so. They, they were so they closed three. They had six nuclear power plants open on December 30th of 2021. Then they closed three of them because they're idiots and they were about to close the next three by the end of this year. And so what I think that they're starting to to do is they're going to keep them open for just a couple more years. I think it's 2024 or 2025. And it, it, by the way, it has not been rectified or solidified or whatever language you want to use. It still has to go through parliament, which is a, a big, big, big ask because the Greens have a huge influence. And like I said, they're idiots. And then, it, then once it goes through Parliament, if it goes through Parliament, it must be signed off by the Chancellor Olaf, I think is his name. In the meantime, they're turning on all of their coal power plants. It's just, not all, excuse me, I shouldn't say that. Not all, all, but a fair number of them. And or they're and if they don't do that, they're going to have to cut. I read in the Wall Street Journal. I could be wrong, but I read that they have to cut their energy consumption by twenty percent. So. I, no country is going to cut their energy consumption by twenty percent. Just does not happen. So they're going to turn on their coal power plants, or they're going to extend their nuclear power plants. Which, by the way, just to be clear, these are not old. These are not derelict. These—they're closing them prematurely. Yes, just just so everybody understands. Um, but they're going to extend them two years and whatever. It's 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 a joke. It's, it's such a shame.
2: So to make to make it an even bigger joke. <laughs> Last week, the Swiss announced that they're also having an energy crisis, and uh, now they're requesting
1: Germany to to export more energy into Switzerland. But the Swiss have the Swiss have their game. They have loads of hydro, and they have loads of um, they have loads of nuclear power plants in Switzerland. So I'm surprised was, that they it did was, that. Rich, it was it was a joke, man. Oh, I didn't get it. Uh, the best jokes, Keith, are the ones you have to explain in detail. I know,
2: but you know <laughs> they're asking the Germans for more energy when the oh. Germans don't have it for themselves. No, I do not get
1: it. Sorry, those, nice. The oh. Germany
0: Germany's got to get their boots moving, though. I mean, that's the uh, you know harder manufacturing. I mean, that their whole entire industry is going to get decimated if they don't if they don't get you know energy costs down.
1: Well, one yeah. one thing we haven't talked about is commodity prices. Uh, natural gas, unlike oil just continues to ratchet higher i think we're almost back to all-time highs if not we're just a sniff below um, those net na- on so are those natural gas prices that just for are you talking europe in your natural- me. very important distinction sorry i screwed that up very very important distinction the natural gas prices in europe not okay not in not in the u.s because here Ford, here in Canada. bc man i'm running my gas
0: fireplace every
1: day even in the summer well you drive a tesla so it's okay but i I know that i'm looking at it right now so there's like thing called the title transfer facility in netherlands the ttf you can google it if you want and it's just below the all-time high which was in like february right when russia invaded excuse me tried to liberate ukraine (laughs) and um and yeah it's 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 And it's not even the winter, right? So let's just remember, this is always very seasonal, like natural gas. Lots of commodity prices are seasonal, depending on what commodity, whether it's metal or grain or gas or oil or whatever it is. Loads of economic series are seasonal and and natural gas is just like every other one. But we're in the middle of the summer, at the end of the summer, and we're about to crack the all-time high in euros per megawatt hour in Netherlands, Europe, and the UK. Whereas the Henry Hub is still at 29 euros per megawatt hour. So it, it's just, it's, they're so in this, trouble.
2: So guys, this brings us to um, like the biggest global macro risk event that we have coming up and everyone is aware of it. And what we're talking about here is you know, it's effectively Europe getting cut off from energy this winter. And this is what I'm trying to reconcile as an investment manager, because once everyone is aware of a risk, you know as, as you mentioned rich politically they're trying to come to a solution how do we fix this and the clock is ticking on it of course so i guess november ish you know they're really going to start needing more energy coming through um but yet markets are not even though net gas price is going up in europe europe is not crumbling like it's not there yet and the closer we get to this event from happening. Uh, it increases the probability that you know it could be this enormous risk-off event. But even the fact that like everyone is aware of this now, if, if you're following markets closely, um, and yet there's no market reaction from it. And if it does, for example, you know euro will go down to eighty cents. That's, that's what we're looking at here. Um, you know the banking sector will come down pretty aggressively. The ECB will have to try to do yield curve control, and that's what they'll want to do. But like it, if, anyone, if anyone it, again, it's coming. On. We're months away. Yeah, we're months away from the event, and I know right now, like we're talking about, hey, you know, early September with the you know the Western world central banks coming out and everything, but we still have this huge energy, you know, crisis about to hit the Europeans. So for that reason, I'm I'm under the belief that it won't happen. You know, there is a solution here somewhere. Yeah, the burning coal. are. Yeah, but you know the Europeans are very clever. At changing their political stride, you know, to meet their own needs, but I'm not sure if they're going to be able to change it enough to, to meet this. Anyway, it's just something that you know. I don't Did, know the answer to this yet. I don't know the solution. But it's, it's I'm sure
0: good. it's nothing the
1: ECB can't fix. <laughs> you, think, you know, what fixes. I mean, you know, what fixes no, gas no, you, prices. QE. But you're, you're, you're right. You're right, Keith, in the sense that. It's, you know, if you look at the IFO, so, you know, we often we talk about the ISM, which is the Institute of Supply Management, which is the U.S. kind of uh, manufacturing survey or services survey. In Germany, you have the IFO. I don't know what it stands for, but it's the Institute for Economic Research based out of Munich. They do a similar survey. They ask you: Are you are you happy? Are you sad? Are you hiring? Are you firing? Are you investing or not investing? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And that series for Germany continues to fall, and it's basically at the lows, almost at the lows of of the of the of the, of the pandemic. So March or whatever, April of 2020. And so you you have to you have to take that number seriously in the sense that the expectations for the German manufacturing sector, the German industrial base is 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 terrible. I mean it, it is in effect if it's not in a recession, it will be. Do you know what I mean? Like these numbers are so bad that you're right, Keith. I think it's it's wild in a way that the market's not hasn't quite either priced it maybe they're just assuming that things will get better. I don't know. I, I, I can't figure it out. I, I this is something here's, that I've. Yeah. Here's another thing to,
2: to think about. And, um, you know, we're pretty good at seeing the big picture before anyone else sees it. So I'm announcing thank this for the thank, first. Thank you. Well, well, I meant ice cap. I said, we not, not loony hour. <laughs> certainly not Steve there. Steve is asleep. again uh, Yeah, wall. I don't even know what's going on. Yeah. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, how smart we are. The um, What's going to happen now this this winter? You know, we have the World Cup of Soccer taking place. Instead of it being a summer event, it's now a winter event. It's down to Qatar or Qatar or whatever your, your fancy is with it. And uh, so if you got the World Cup taking place in the winter in Germany, you know, and all the lads are out all the time in this, and then you're getting this energy crisis hitting at the same time all of a sudden you had all the locals gathered in one place and it's it has the the opportunity to really creating you know some domestic challenges up there so uh and it could be on the other side as well so with germany i don't, I don't know what their football team will be like at this tournament it's probably gonna be uh, good um, yeah they usually are like what, what's the definition of soccer you know each team has 11 players and one ball Ninety minutes later the germans win
0: you gotta explain this 0 joke for two. too. 0 for 2. 0 for today. 2. I think that's yeah. a good place to wrap it up, too. I'm sick of <laughs> hearing these jokes.
2: Everyone I can, knows. I can't take that another one. Joke.
0: You don't get it. No. What happened to the old days the, with a good boomer story? We're tapping out. But nice I'll suite. give I will give you here. You guys want to, uh, here's a good joke uh, to end the show. Uh, the governor of the Bank of Canada. Uh, has recently been telling employers not to give pay raises to Canadian workers because of inflation. Uh, yet the Bank of Canada gave itself $45 million in raises and bonuses over the course of the pandemic uh, for actually, and of course, you know, I don't think they did a very good job uh, at their job, of course, uh, by managing inflation. So the, the irony there is of course, this follows uh, the UK, uh, the Bank of Uh, England's governor who was also telling um, several large companies to, to not provide juicy raises for the, uh, for the plebs. Um, So we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, Rather ironic of course, but um, as always, we, you know, we appreciate your guys support all we ask that you continue to share this episode with at least one friend, one family member, Give us the five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, help us beat Arrive Can. We'll we'll get there. It's going to take a couple of years, but we'll get there. Um, God bless. We'll see you next week.